You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. My name is Philip Rossman Reich, and today is January 28th, 2018, or if you're listening on Locked On Magic, January 29th, 2018. Yes, I'm feeling a lot more lively, Mark NG. You can see I am not as sick as I was last week or throughout the week. I appreciate all the well wishes from those who listen to Locked on Magic, as well as follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter as well at R underscore OMD. Welcome to this week's edition of the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, Monday's episode of Locked on Magic. Today, we're going to talk all about Saturday's game against the Indiana Pacers. Going to start there. And yes, it was a very frustrating game and, and one that uh, got me a little riled up a little bit. I got into some lively discussions with fans on Twitter. Definitely a, a group who is ready to see this team get, get the number one pick and and is cheering for losses, which is fine. I, I respect that perspective. Um, I just think it's very, very wrong. And I just think that it it, it leads to bad, to some very bad outcomes. And I'll explain why in this show. And then I'm going to take your fake trades. I want to hear your trade ideas for the Orlando Magic. And while I'm probably going to say, yeah, I don't know if that trade idea works, I think by doing this experiment, A, I'll talk about how to read trade rumors. How, you know, when you see a rumor, rumor, how do you deal with it? Uh, what what should you be thinking? Or at least how I think about it when I, when I see a trade rumor. And I think that by doing these experiments, we can begin to see, okay, like, well, maybe this guy doesn't work for, for this reason, but then we, we come to a better understanding of what the Magic are probably looking for and where they might go to get it. Um, there's, there's been a lot of report. There's been a fair amount of reporting. We're still in the early stages. Uh, John Hammond was on the Orlando Magic Pod Squad, which you have not listened to that. Um, there's a link up on orlandomagicdaily.com to it right now, um, and you should listen to that podcast anyway. Dante, David, Jeff, and uh, George do, do just they're just a fun group. Um, do a great job talking about it. Um, so I, I think that uh, I, I definitely think that uh, uh, there's a lot going on when it comes to the trade deadline. So I want to kind of get some back and forth, talk about some some trade some fake trades that I've received over the past week, and and I'll do this I'll do this exercise again next week uh, as as it's our final episode of the Facebook Live before the trade deadline on February eighth. But I, I do want to start today. With, uh, sorry, I want to get my stopwatch going. Um, I, I do want to start today with Saturday's game against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, there's there, there's no doubt we're at a point of the season where the Magic have the second worst record in the league. They're they're fourteen and thirty four, I believe. Um, it, 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 we're we're at a point in the season where yes. The playoffs are not likely going to happen. Uh, if, if, if to make the playoffs, you got to go 43 and 39, the Magic only have five more losses to give the rest of this year. But if we're going to be generous, 42 and 40 probably makes the playoffs. Six more losses the rest of the year. That I, I'm an optimist. I, 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 I tend to believe things are going to turn out okay and. And 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 generally things work. I mean, I'm 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 generally kind of an NBA karmist too. Like I think things work out the way they're supposed to, and, and all that. And 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 there's really not much. I mean, for especially the lottery, there's not much control over what you have. So this team isn't gonna get to 40 wins. This team isn't gonna make the playoffs. I'm under no delusion that that's going to happen. Um, I've had a lot of people 
who, who ask, who say, oh, you want the Magic to win 35 games? Like, no, this team's not going to win 35 games. I'm not worried about this team's positioning. But at the same time, we know this Magic team can play better. We know that this Magic team is a significantly better team than what they've shown and what their record shows on many occasions. Now, you are what your record says you are. You are uh, whatever, whatever your record is at the end of the year. That's who you are. I'm not expecting this team to be the 8-4 and four team anytime soon. So, I think that when you enter a game, you're really entering games, and I'm just getting into my larger point that I want to make, make about, but um, you're entering games, you're looking at kind of individual games by themselves. All Everything's kind of in isolation. You don't worry about streaks, you don't worry about stretches. Like, like I've been saying on the podcast... When I preview games, it's less about your opponent and more about yourself. Worry about yourself, get yourself right, and then you can begin integrating opponent stuff into that. So, Saturday's game against the Indiana Pacers then was extremely frustrating. And, and, and I don't know how you could watch that game and not be extremely frustrated. Even if you're a pro-tanking guy. I, like, I don't understand how you can watch a team play as fluid and as... And as strong as the Magic did in the first half to build a 21 point, as much as a 21 point lead and a 17 point lead, um, uh, in at, at, and a 17 point lead at halftime. Home road, best team, worst team, safe maybe for the Warriors and Rockets. A first half like that should be enough to, to get a win. Now every team in the NBA makes a run, like, no doubt about that. Every team in the NBA makes a run, and you got to be able to withstand those runs. And the lesson that the Magic have, have seemingly always had difficulty learning is how do we how do we beat those runs? How do we beat those runs back and eventually pick up wins? This is all about learning how to win. This is all about learning how to finish games and learning how to how to do the thing that you set out to do to start a game. And Orlando largely, I thought, did some very good things. Even that the second half was a struggle, but I thought they still did some good things. But come the fourth quarter, Orlando was just completely in a shell. Um, their offense lacked all movement. Um, it was pass, pass, shot. That's not going to get the job done. They know that's not going to get the job done. That This group knows that is not the way for them to succeed. And yet when things get tight, when it becomes what Reggie Miller calls winning time, this team is unable to step up to the plate, unable to get itself to that next level. And that's, again, what was represented in Saturday's loss. Victor Oladipo took over. 16 of his 24 points came in the fourth quarter. The Magic had a lineup that was working really, really well, but, and I'm not going to blame Frank Vogel because the starters were playing fine too. He goes back to his starters, Alfred Payton, Bismack Biombo, that ran a three-point guard lineup for a little while, which I don't, I don't get. And... That's when the Pacers took over. Victor Oladipo pick-and-rolled the Magic's point guards to death, was able to drop it off to DeMontis Sabonis several times, was able to score himself several times, 
Magic defense was torn apart, and their offense was just stuck in the mud. Um, it 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 was everything the ma- Magic fear, and it seems like the, like that fear just takes over them. It, 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 the fear just takes over this team late in games. And even when they have big leads, because we saw them do the same thing against Miami a few weeks ago at home in a game that the Magic should have won as well. And so these are... What concerns me more is, is that A, this has been something that's gone on for years, but it's been years and years, in, or it's been time and time again, it's repeated mistakes that this team just has not learned from. And has not found a way to correct. Now it's simple and easy to sit here and say, of course, we all know change is coming. We all know Evan Fournier is probably on his way out. Nikola Vucevic is probably on his way out. Alfred Payton is probably on his way out. That this core is going to get flipped over. That this group doesn't work. Everyone knows this group doesn't work. Even the players seem to know that this group doesn't work. And the Magic are going to change things. That doesn't change anything to me. To me, there are bigger cultural issues that the Magic need to resolve still. Because, yeah, they're going to, they're going to, um, yeah, they're going to make these changes and, and they're going to get a high draft pick, but that's not going to matter if, the locker room culture, if the expectations are not to win. None of that matters if the expectation is not to win. And so seeing the team again blow a 21-point lead, seeing the team again falter down the stretch, seeing the team again struggle to take that next step, that next most important step. That's the most frustrating part to all of this. We know the Magic are better. We've seen them play better. We've seen them win games like this. And yet right now, they can't seem to get out of their own way. And honestly, Saturday night was very much about the Magic getting in their own way. The poor offensive movement and execution. That's on them. Indiana's defense stepped up. Give them credit. It's not like Indiana didn't take the game. Orlando Orlando gave it away in a lot of ways, but Magic missed 12 free throws, 20 of 32 from the foul line, including two from Aaron Gordon late in the game. Orlando gave up the lead, and I'll give them credit for this. They fought. They fought back. They gave themselves a chance to tie that game and still win it. I thought Aaron Gordon's shot with about... 12 seconds left. It was a little hurried, but not a bad look. Magic did a good job fighting and scrambling to get that rebound, and Aaron made the right read trying to dunk all over DeMontis Sabonis, got to the foul line. That's all you can ask for in a late-game situation. The Magic's late-game execution, like final 30 seconds execution, was actually very good. And if this had been a back-and-forth game and and a, a game where the team was was kind of it was in it and just didn't make the plays down the stretch. That's fine. It, with this team, 
You're upset, maybe, but you can live with that. There's something you can grow from from that. But to lose a 21-point lead, to be up by 10, I think it was with five minutes left, and lose that lead, those, those kinds of losses are simply unacceptable. To be at home against Sacramento, you know, worst team in the league at the time, to be home, leading most of that game, unable to pull away, and then lose it in the final moments, that loss to me felt very unacceptable too. And, and you could tell how angry Frank Vogel was after that game. It's, it's these losses that I want to see the Magic eliminate. The losses where they are clearly, where for the majority of the game, they are clearly the better team. And they play like it. And they act like it. And then things get tight. The other team starts playing with a little more urgency. And the, te- and, and the Magic back down. Those are the games I want to see the Magic get rid of. I'm going to get to some of your comments here in just a moment. I just want to run through, this, through the stats real fast. And I'll talk a little bit more about my tanking, of, my tanking philosophy and where I stand on that. Um, just a quick run through the stats here. Aaron Gordon, 22 points, 9 for 20, shooting 11 rebounds, 4 assists for him, 3 very early assists for Aaron Gordon. Loved how he played in the first half. Um, aggressive, smart, really attacked the gaps in the defense, got his shot in rhythm. Nothing felt very forced. That's Aaron Gordon that we need to see. That's the Aaron Gordon the Magic need to play with and play as. Um, uh, so if, so keep, I hope he keeps that up. 1 for 6 from beyond the arc. Got to be a little bit better about his shot selection on threes. Just not making threes at a high rate right now, but... Uh, overall, I thought that that Gordon played a really strong game. Struggled a lot more in the second half. I thought he was forcing things a little bit more, but made some nice plays down the stretch, like I said. I just, just didn't finish uh, at the foul line like he should have. Um, Evan Fournier, 21 points, 9 for 16, shooting 3 for 6 from beyond the arc. I thought some of his shot selection um, in the fourth quarter especially was a little hurried, um, but overall a good game from Evan Fournier. He's really found his legs since, the, uh, uh, since uh, coming back from injury. Um, Ken Birch continues to push for more playing time, 11 points, four for five shooting, five rebounds, three steals for him. Um, uh, he, Ken Birch is really good guys. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating. He didn't play sooner, but he is, uh, he's a keeper. He's a baller. Um, gotta love what Ken Birch has been doing. Um, special shout out for Mario Azonia, nine points, three for five shooting dunk over Miles Turner. Um, he continues to play really well. Um, three blocks as well. Um, I, 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 he, I know that there's, I'll talk about, I know there's a question about Mario here um, in, in the comments. Uh, let me find it. Uh, where did that question, where did that comment go? There it is. Um, Leslie Stove's uh, comments, the Magic don't have Mario Bird rights, so they probably will have to trade him. Um, actually, the Magic still do have Mario's Bird rights. Um, bird rights you retain no matter what. What, what happened was, um, and maybe I need to make this explainer, maybe I don't, um, the Magic declined his team option at the beginning of the year. That means whoever has him, and this is actually going to make him more difficult to trade, so keep this in mind when it comes to the trade market. Um, whoever holds Mario's contract at the end of the year will be limited to re-signing him to a one-year deal worth the amount of that team option. So the Magic are limited. So if, let's say the Magic want to re-sign Mario Azonia. This sum. Which, the way he's playing, why wouldn't they? Like, give him another chance. 
they would be limited to re-signing him to a one-year deal, maximum of one year, and a maximum of $5.2 million, because that's what he would have made next year. Marzoni is still an unrestricted free agent, so it's up to him whether he wants to stay in Orlando. Orlando can't force him to stay. They can't make him stay. He's got to make the... Hazonia makes the final decision there. They gave up that power. And so I'm still dubious that Hazonia would want to stay in Orlando. Um, I, I think that that he's going to find another home. He wants to get a fresh start somewhere, and he's earned that, and, and, and the Magic gave him that freedom to do so. Uh, and so Orlando, Orlando's got, you know, Hazoni is playing really well. Uh, I'll get, I, 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 I'm very happy with how he's played. He's, he's turned himself into a solid role player and he's done a lot of really good things and then hopefully he'll continue to get better. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's likely to stay in, in Orlando. Um, Tyler Davis Honaker um, gets to a point that I want to talk about. He, he commented, so frustrated at EP after last night's game. Um, I am, I'm definitely frustrated. I would definitely be a little frustrated with Alfred Payton, too. Uh, it, Alfred Payton is a four-year starter. Um, let's, 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 you know, some, some stints off the bench here and there, but, but essentially he's been a four-year starter. And I think that... There are just things I expect from a veteran like Alfred Payton that I'm just simply not seeing. That would be the best way for me to put it. I expect Alfred Payton to be more of a leader isn't the right word, but I expect him to have a little bit more control over the game. I was talking last night with with Chris Barnwall of CBS Sports, um, you know, kind of trying to figure out what's going what's going on with this team, and and I, I've just I've never been able to put my finger on what is wrong with Alfred Payton because statistically he's having a great year. Offensively, he's been as good as he's ever been. Defense is his defense. It's whatever. But I think the problem with the problem with Alfred Payton is all intangible. It's not it's not about uh, it's it's not about um, whether he can can do the job or, or or can can score or produce or whatever. It's about kind of being the point guard, being the leader, being the guy who gets everyone in the right spot, who inspires confidence and 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 gets people going in the right direction. And I think I came to my to, to my best description. Of it, and I, I don't really know whether it's right. So, disagree, feel free to agree or disagree. I'm just kind of spitball. I was just kind of spitballing on this. Um, I, I kind of feel like Peyton goes with the flow too much. He doesn't control the flow of the game. He he just kind of rides with it. So when the team is playing really really well, when the team is is going in the right direction. He makes them better. He he plays at a high level. I mean, I, I think there is a great correlation between Peyton's output and the Magic's win. And so when everyone else is playing well, he goes with them and plays really well with them. When things are going bad, he doesn't really do anything to change that. It's not that he plays poorly. It's he's not making sure guys get in the right spot or 
thinking to himself, oh, Aaron hasn't gotten a shot in a while. Let's get him involved. Or, um, you know, Evan is not getting the ball where he needs to get the ball. Let's try this play to do that. It just kind of seems like Alfred just goes with the flow. And whichever direction the team is going, that's the direction he's going. I don't know. It's a half-baked idea. It's a half Again, it's so intangible. I can't really put my finger on what's wrong with Alfred Payton. But the fact that we're talking about this, the fact that the team is struggling as much as they are with him as their point guard yet again, that's probably why he's not going to be on the roster next year. Um, got a couple other questions. I'll just get to them real fast. Nick Booker asks, who do you think we should take in the draft? Still too early to hone in specifically on any one guy, especially because we don't know where the Magic are going to be picking yet. I, I anticipate the Magic will still have a, a top three odds at the lottery, whether that means they pick in the top three, who the hell knows. Um, but I I currently have Luka Doncic still number one on my board. Um, he is really good. Um, I have DeAndre Ayton right after him, and I have Trey Young third. After that, you know, after that I probably go Marvin Bagley, then Mo Bamba, and I see all the reactions when I start talking about the draft. Um, it's it's still very, 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 very early to pick a player that you like. There are six really good players in this draft. All of them have flaws. I don't, I, I, and this is why I'm so big into culture right now. I don't think there is a player in this draft. I don't believe there is a player in this draft that changes your team on his own. There is no LeBron James guy. Um, there is no... There is no uh, LeBron James. There's no Kevin Durant. There's, there's no super-duper star. But I think that there are very good players. And so I think really that what's going to differentiate these players to, to management, to Jeff Weltman, and to John Hammond is what goes on between the ears. Though it's, it's going to be something very, very small that comes out in an interview and who the person is and what they can show in a workout or what their work habits are like or what's in their background research, stuff that we can't necessarily see. So, I'm confident the Magic will get a good pick and get a good play. That part I'm not worried about. Right now, I'm worried about having a culture and having an environment for that young player to grow into. That's my bigger concern the rest of the season right now. Because no matter who the Magic pick, I'm going to be pretty happy. Like, it, it, it sounds like I bash Trey Young all the time and I worry about his turnovers and, and some other things with him. Um, but I have the same concerns about DeAndre Ayton. I have the same concerns about Luka Doncic. There, there, are, there are concerns about every player in this draft. So it, it's going to be something else that makes them really good. So I would say don't fall in love with any draft prospect yet. It is way too early. And just know the Magic are going to get someone really good. And hopefully they make the right decision. So we'll, we'll see. Let's get into... Um, 
let's get into a little bit more about what I wanted to talk about today and what I started talking about earlier in the show. Um, George Castro gets us gets us into it. Are you ask, asking? Are you rooting for the Magic to win or lose at this point? Um, I am rooting for the Magic to win unequivocally. Uh, I uh, I think that winning is always valuable. The point of the game is to win. So it doesn't matter who you put out on the court. Every player and every coach needs to be trying to win. And that's the standard that I want to hold them to. That they are trying to win. I'm going to make that assumption and I'm going to hold them to that standard. Now, my my vision of tanking, because I do recognize that tanking is a strategy, and yes, I do recognize better odds at the number one pick means better odds at, at a better player, a, transform, a possibly transformative player, and a player that will make the team better. Again, like I said, I'm not worried about the Magic falling out of the top six. I think the Magic will get one of the big six players in this draft, and there's maybe four that are bigger than, than the other two. So tanking to me happens off the court. Tanking to me happens in decisions to sit players out. Nikola Vucevic, I've been saying this for a while. Six to eight weeks puts him back next weekend. That's six weeks. He's probably not going to be back by then. I've been pretty much telling everyone I wouldn't expect him back before the All-Star break, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he's not back until March. If the Magic want to wait until Nikola Vucevic is 110% before coming back, they should absolutely wait until Nikola Vucevic is 110% before coming before bringing him back. I'm perfectly fine with that. Tanking is in perhaps rotation decisions. If the Magic want to play Wessa Wundu in the starting lineup just to see what it looks like, I don't have a problem with that. Or play him 25 minutes, even though he's probably not ready for it. Certainly they should be playing him over Aaron Aflalo. If they want to play Kem Birch starters minutes, which he's frankly getting close to earning, he's pretty much splitting minutes with Bismack Biombo right down the middle already. Like look at the look at the minute patterns. Ken Burch has had a few games where he's played nearly 24 minutes. If the Magic want to start Ken Burch over Bismack Biombo, A, that might be a better decision, but that is a that's that's a quote-unquote tanking decision that I can live with. If the Magic want to bring Jamel Artis up and play him, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Those decisions are fine. That 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 is that's tanking to me. But what's not acceptable to me is a team throwing a game. Is a team not being able to finish games that they should win. I have had this belief throughout the entire rebuild, throughout the last five years. I understand this this team is probably not going to win the majority of its games. This is a bad team. You are what your record says you are. This is a 14 and 34 team. 
But when you have the opportunity to win, you need to win. Because winning is valuable. Winning teaches lessons, it builds confidence, it creates habits. And I think one of the biggest problems that the Magic have faced throughout the last five years is the building of bad habits. They are a team that has suffered a lot of losses. They have a lot of scars. And they've been unable to overcome them. And at some point, you got to learn how to do it. At some point, it can't be woe is me. At some point, you've got to be able to turn that corner. And at some point, you got to just have the professional pride to fight. The Magic have lacked that at times in the last two years especially. And I think, again, no matter who you draft in this draft, it's not going to matter if the expectation out there is that losing is somehow okay. Like, that, that I'm serious about that. And it's not that I think losing is okay in that locker room. I think they've become a little desensitized to it. But there's frustration that they can't figure this out. They can't take that next step. But I, I still believe in holding the team to a standard. And like I said, losing at home to Sacramento when you were leading almost the entire game. Kudos to Sacramento for, for fighting and staying in that game and playing with a lot of heart that night. That's a game that Magic need to win. That's a game I expect Magic to win. Up by 21 in the second quarter, 17 at halftime, 8 at the end of three quarters, 10 with five minutes to go. On the road against a playoff team, that's still a game I expect the Magic to win. And the Magic should have won Saturday night. There are too many instances, you can go back over the years too, too many instances where the Magic have taken defeat from the jaws of victory. At a certain point, you grow, have to grow out of it. And yes, most of the players on this roster are going to get flipped over. But what about those who stay? For those who stay, things need to change. And they need to change now. The habits, the culture needs to change now. So that when you do get the talent, when you do get that talent, it's ready to contribute and doesn't know anything else but how to play magic basketball the right way. Everyone points out to me Philadelphia as, a, as an example. Of like, oh, they lost for so long. They tanked and they tanked the right way. I don't know what that means. No, Philadelphia built a culture. Look at what Philadelphia did. Brett Brown didn't have talent. Yet... His teams fought hard. They stole games that they shouldn't have won. And they keep fighting. They kept fighting every night. I, 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 that Philadelphia team, those, some of those early Philadelphia teams, fought incredibly hard. And so when Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were finally healthy and ready to play, they were already ingrained in a culture 
that value a lot of winning habits. And right now you're seeing them go through some growing pains where they're still trying to figure out how to win consistently and how to close games out. And they'll lose games that they shouldn't lose that they shouldn't lose still. But the way they play, their style, their 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 mentality, their culture is so much better. And a lot of that has to do with the coach. And and I think Frank Vogel came onto the team with 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 a group that was a little too established in a, in a bad culture. I always call the Jacques Bond hire the original sin. That's 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 under Rob Hennigan, that's the move I regret the most, I, I, if I were the Magic, is hiring Jacques Vaughn. Just did not set the tone. He was a babysitter, not a culture builder. Magic needed a culture builder. Because that matters more. And that's why I'm so on about it now. That's why I am, I am talking so much about doing the right things. Changing some, changing some little things that this team does. Effort, energy, all those things. That's what I think is the biggest task for the Magic for the rest of the season. Is to build up that culture. I, I mean, I, 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 I respect everyone's opinion on this. Um, you know, I... I I can't bring myself to cheer for losing. I, I think that that again. I think I think cheering for losing um, is. I think cheering for losing is detrimental to that culture. Like I said, I expect the team to win when they have the opportunity to win. I recognize they will not win most of the time. They will probably lose most of the time. So I'm not like, uh, there, 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 there are people who think I'm sitting here cheering for them to get to 30 wins. They're not getting to 30 wins. If they get to 22, 23 wins, that would be a feat with the rate that they're winning. So we'll see. And then there's definitely questions about Frank Vogel. Um, I, I don't think, I think Frank Vogel does hold players accountable, but Frank Vogel... I think he still relies too much on his veterans. Let's let's ju let's let's withhold judgment on 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 him not playing or not playing veterans. Um. Um. But let's 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 withhold not him on not playing young guys over veterans for until after the trade deadline i assume some of it is they're trying to trying to showcase guys and 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 my understanding is is Vogel is deferring to veterans a little too much that's just kind of how he's wired um so you know we'll we'll see there's there's obviously questions about Frank Vogel um you know I, James McCormick i think makes the right point you can lose and put in effort and show fight it's not okay he's giving up third quarter or blown out by 30 yes that I'm going to like that there, there, light. That that is exactly the point. You're not going to win every game, but you got to fight every game. And when you do have the chance to win, again, you do when you do have the chance to win, winning is still important, especially as a player. Players are not out there to lose. That's how they don't get paid. Remember, these guys, this is still a job to these guys. A lot of these guys are still are, are playing for their next job. So they've got to play like it, too. They've got to try and win, too. The reality is this team's going to lose games. They're not good. So I don't think... I don't think that... 
it's right to cheer for these guys to lose. We need to hold them to the standard that they should be setting for themselves. And that's all I feel like I'm doing. If I think they're, they're I think it's a myth, honestly. It, it it is a myth that the Magic have played themselves out of good draft position with late season wins. It's a myth. Last year, the Magic won on the last night of the season, ended up drafting sixth instead of fifth. They would have taken Jonathan Isaac anyway. Didn't cost them in the lottery. It didn't. Philadelphia got the third got the third pick in the draft from the Nick Stauskas trade with Sacramento. I, I, I just see no evidence. I, I've seen very little evidence that the Magic have ever cost themselves in the draft lottery. Or in the draft in, in the last five years. I've seen no... I've, I've really seen no evidence of it. So, I... I, I, I think it's silly to play lottery position. I think you ask your players to play hard and you set that culture. And again, you let the chips fall where they may. It's a lottery. It's luck anyway. And to every to everyone who to everyone who says to everyone who says to me, you know, that win could cost the Magic the number one pick. Maybe that win got the Magic the number one pick. You don't know. You don't know. So, I think it's. I don't. I. I it's very tricky. I get the logic, but. I think it's I think it's time to move on. Um, I do have a comment that I do want to talk about and address. Um, that I think I have to be very delicate about. Um, but yeah, but uh, Leslie Stoves asks thoughts on Adrian Payne. As many of you know, Friday night the Orlando Magic waived Adrian Payne, their their two way contract player. Um, with the Lakeland Magic, he actually played about 30 minutes that evening uh, for Lakeland when they were playing in Canton. Um, but um, obviously, the news with Adrian Payne is 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 very disturbing. Um, that's 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 the only way I can put it. Um, if if he if you don't know the story, um, this is a really somber thing to be putting on a Facebook Live. But if you don't know the story, um, ESPN.com, ESPN reporting on Outside the Lines that uh, in 2010. Adrian Payne, as well as former Magic guard Keith Appling, were uh, cited and questioned over the rape of a uh, of a freshman at Michigan State. Well, they were, they were they were also freshmen, but uh, rape. But they were questioned and cited over the rape of a, of a of a of a young of a young girl um, at Michigan State. And this is part of the the larger investigation that's now going on to Michigan State uh, and their history with sexual assault. Um. Payne and Appling were never char- were never formally charged. The prosecutor declined to bring charges um, under dubious, very dubious circumstances. Um, police report that was just released suggested that Payne said that he could see why the the young the young woman. Um, I'm choosing not to name her, although she is her name is public if you want to read the story. And you should read the story on ESPN.com. It's a huge issue and a huge story. Um, he could see how she felt like she couldn't leave, which would certainly suggest that is an admission to rape. And that's obviously very, very serious. 
Um, again, the prosecutor declined to bring charges claiming that the woman uh, would not have been able to, to stand up to the, the, the criticism of charging two high-profile athletes on campus. I mean, it's the whole situation at Michigan State is disgusting. Um, it's appalling from from the do, from Dr. Larry Nasser uh, being shielded there for so long, to them ignoring reports of sexual assault from Dr. Nasser as well as from student athletes on both the football and men's basketball team, including this incident with with Adrian Payne. Um, I think the ma- uh, what this is the least important thing, but I think the Magic made the right decision cutting him uh, and distancing themselves from this whole thing. There's, there's no reason. I mean, when you're, when you're on a contract like that, you're on not eggshells is the wrong word, but you are on thin ice, one slip up and you are done. There's no reason for them to keep you around. And so I think the magic made a prudent move to, to cut him. My question is the accuser has been public for some time. She, she's filed a civil suit against Michigan State and talks about this, this situation. My question is, why didn't the Magic come up with this in their research? Is a lot Was a lot of this information released in the ESPN report new information? And now that it's come to light that Magic made this decision... Or were they able to find this before signing him? And what conclusions did they make about it before signing him? Those are my questions more than anything else. Um, he was never charged. But again, it, it, the circumstances of that look very, very, very dubious. Uh, so... I don't want to comment much more than that. It, it, something smells fishy in this. The whole Michigan State situation is downright appalling. And I think the Magic made the right call distancing themselves from it. Uh, just, 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 just from a public relations standpoint. And the Magic have been quiet on his waiver. They haven't... I don't even... I didn't even see an official press release from the Magic on this. So, I think washing their hands of it is the exact right move, um, at least from from their perspective. Um, I don't know really if there's much else to say about it other than that. Um, You know, other than just to continue to say that you hope that the women at Michigan State who have been kind of pushed aside receive some justice. And that might even include Adrian Payne and Keith Applin getting into more trouble. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the statute of limitations is in Michigan or, or whatnot, but it, the evidence seems pretty damning. So, um, Let's move on, though, to a little bit happier, a little bit more upbeat talk. It's time for your fake trades. Um, I have been collecting some fake trades from Magic fans that they've sent to me and proposed to me. 
over the last week. I'm going to continue to do that again. So you can, if I, if I don't get to a fake trade or you come up with a fake trade over the course of the week, send them to me. I'll save them and we'll talk about them on Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday for the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. So let's talk about first how to read the trade room. Um, none of these are real rumors. So these are fake trades. But I think we're going to do the same exercise I would do when I see a regular trade rumor. The first thing I ask myself is, when I see two teams trying to trade with each other, I think to myself, what are their goals? What are their goals in accomplishing a trade? What are they trying to get out of? And then figure out, and then that helps you understand, like, okay, this is why this trade works for both teams, or why this team probably wouldn't do that trade, or or whatever. So <coughs> a little bit sick. Um so we start there. Then we go to, okay, how does this player fit this team's goals? Especially with fan trades. I love you fans, but fans tend to go a little bit overboard and say, and do lopsided deals. So I ask myself, what goal does this player accomplish? What goal does the player sending out accomplish? And then if this doesn't quite get us there, with rumors at least, why is this leaking? What does this leaking tell us? These are all the questions I ask when I when I look at trade rumors. And when I begin to analyze, okay, why would this be so? What 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 is everyone trying to do here? Who is trying to benefit from this, most importantly? Because oftentimes, by the time trades leak to the media, they've already been discussed and dead. Or the conversations are dead and they're going to come back to it later, if they come back to it at all. So that's where I start with, with trade discussions. Let's get into some fake trades, why don't we? Uh, Tyler Honecker at Tyler Hahn 14 proposes this trade. The Celtics received Nikola Vucevic. I don't know if this works in the trade machine, so if it doesn't, we'll figure that out. Orlando gets Terry Rozier and Aaron Baines. Let's start there. First off, Tyler, overvaluing Nikola Vucevic. The, the Boston Celtics really like Terry Rozier. They're, uh, uh, you know, he's a young young guard, good defender. I, I don't see them trading Terry Rozier. Unless they're getting a really strong rotation player back. This is a Celtics team that has the top defense in the league. So they're going to trade two of their top defenders for an offensive-minded center who is average on defense at best. I really don't see it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I think I think one of the problems with the Magic over the last several years is they value Nikola Vucevic more than every other team values Nikola Vucevic. And so I think with Nikola Vucevic, you're not going to get very much. You're going to get reserve role players, 
you know, it's essentially going to be a salary dump. So maybe you'll get some expiring contracts because teams like, I'll take an extra year of Nikola Vucevic to get rid of, you know, this high price player I'm not using that I, you know, wouldn't be able to get anything better in free agency. That's the kind of deal I, I suspect we're in store for with Nikola Vucevic. So I, I think that Boston's giving up way too much in this deal. Um, Aaron Baines for Nikola Vucevic. I, I don't see them doing that either because Baines is a better defender. And so I think he fits what Boston's trying to do too. Um, you know, Boston has had an interest in Nikola Vucevic before. So maybe there is something there. Um, I don't have the... Let me pull up the trade machine real fast. See if we can construct something that might be a little bit more palatable for both sides. Um, but I, I just... I don't really see it. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't really, really see it uh, uh, happening that way. Um, you know, let me, let me see if I can pull up trade machine here, you know, you go, I mean, Aaron Baines isn't expiring, so that helps the magic. You know, Boston's still going to have a decent amount of cap room, I suppose, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, that the trade doesn't even work, to be honest. Um, the, uh, the outgoing salaries um, is too much. Celtics would have to cut, cut some salary. Celtics, you could probably do, it looks like you could probably do Baines for Vucevic straight. No, you can't. Yeah, you gotta cut. You gotta cut salary to make that work. So, doesn't need that. That deal doesn't even work. So, so uh, nice try, Tyler. Uh, apologize uh, that that deal does not work out. Second deal he proposes, though, a little bit more interesting, perhaps. Brooklyn gets Alfred Payton and Mario Zonia. Orlando gets Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert. To me, this feels like a salary dump. Um, looking at the trade machine as well. So we're gonna put in. Alfred Payton and Mario Hazonia. No, not Jonathan Simmons. And Mario Hazonia. And get back Spencer Dinwiddie, who's got two years left on his deals, had a very good year. And Karis LeVert, a nice young player. This is, you know, that, that the Magic have said, or at least there's been reporting out there, that the Magic are interested in acquiring player young players that are a little bit more developed. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, would count, and Karis LeVert's an interesting player, so maybe that would work. This trade on its face fails. Uh, Brooklyn would need to cut about a million six, so they'd have to take LeVert out of the deal to make it work. No, that doesn't work either. I don't know how to make that deal work. Um, there's too much salary going to Brooklyn to make this deal work. So, um, Brooklyn would probably also have to give up Nick Stauskas, maybe. Um, I don't think that quite gets, I mean, obviously the Magic are trying to salary dump. Yeah, if you add Nick Stauskas, that deal works. Um, I don't know if that is necessarily how much Brooklyn's wanting to give up because they're kind of in the same state. Um, you know, John Hammond was on the pod squad the other day and, and he made, uh, a really interesting, you know, he made some interesting points and an interesting, interesting thought, um, that... Teams are still figuring out where they are. Teams are still figuring out what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish. So, if you're a young, if you're a team like the Magic, who you know you're trying to reshuffle the deck a little bit, 
you're not going to necessarily trade with another team that's trying to reshuffle the deck with young guys, too. That's what, that's what kind of where Brooklyn's at, too. So Orlando, Brooklyn, not really natural trade partners. I, I, I don't think that that's a deal that's, that's going to work. Um, got a couple other trades, but, I, but, but I'm running low on time here. I want to I keep myself out at once. So I'll save, save those trades for next week. So if you send me a trade on Twitter and I didn't get to it, I'll get to it next week. But I want to get to these trades in the comments here. Um, definitely an, an idea that's been going around a lot is Evan Fournier to the Utah Jazz. Um, uh, Mikey Clark, our good pal from from Orlando Magic UK, um, at UK Orlando Magic, he uh, asked me about a deal that was discussed on the Orlando Magic podcast, uh, good friends of ours there, uh, Evan Fournier for Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson. Um. They're, talent-wise, I think this is about as good as Orlando could do on the trade front. You dump Evan Fournier's salary, and you get back a good young player in Rodney Hood, and another good young player, or, and, and, a, and a solid veteran for the rest of the year that maybe you buy out and let him go find a winning team to play for, in Joe Johnson. And Joe Johnson can still be relatively productive. The question I have in this deal and the question I have with, with any deal like this, and that would include maybe even acquiring Dante Exum, which is another Magic fan favorite guy to get in this kind of a deal. Are you ready to re-sign Rodney Hood? How much are you ready to re-sign Rodney Hood for? Because unless this is a straight salary dump of Evan Fournier, which maybe the Magic want to do. Maybe the Magic just want to clear that salary slot. Trading for a guy like Rodney Hood, who's about to become a restricted free agent, it'll clutter up your books a little bit more, and then you have to sign him to a long-term deal. So now, the thing that I get concerned with, with that kind of a deal, and why I think the Magic are looking for guys in their rookie contracts who are a little bit more developed, but maybe aren't restricted free agents yet, is now you are locked into your core. If, if you acquire Rodney Hood. Maybe you believe this about Rodney Hood, and I'm there some days, I'm not there other days. If you believe in Rodney Hood enough to sign him to a long-term deal now, you do that deal. And then your core is Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Rodney Hood at the two, and whoever and whoever you draft. That, that does sound like a nice core, nice group of four guys. And it, Rodney Hood especially doesn't need the ball in his hands as much. It definitely feels like they could fit together really well. But are you ready to make that commitment today? To my taste, that's a little bit too much of a risk. I want a little bit more flexibility in this rebuild. I don't want to commit myself to a group so early in the process if I'm Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. But maybe that is, maybe maybe they do believe in Rodney Hood enough to say, yes, that's our guy. That's someone we want to want to go with um i think that's that's kind of where i'm i'm at on that um leslie stove's notes and i've heard a lot of fans ask me about this aaron gordon for kemba walker was discussed on that podcast as well um that's what if you're going to trade aaron gordon you're going to trade him for a proven all-star kemba walker's right on the borderline of that for me i think i'd rather just stick with aaron um if it were me um see what he becomes Kemba, you know, without that second star, what he is. Um, and 
I think I'd rather, I, if it were me, I'd rather just, I think I'd rather stick with Aaron Gordon. So I'm, I'm not in favor of that kind of a deal. Um, James McCormick, this will be the last one I do because I'm now I'm going to go over my time here. Um, James McCormick suggests Vooch and Alfred Payton for which Jackson? Which Jackson on New Orleans? I don't know Jackson on New Orleans. Hold on. And let me make, I'm, 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 I'm trying to put these in myself here. So give me a sec here. So Vooch and Alfred Payton for Frank Jackson. That's not the lead. That's not the lead. Jameer Nelson, Omar Ashik, and a top 10 protected 2018 pick. Hmm. Omar Ashik's deal is the big one there. $10.6 million over the next three years. So now your center position has $27 million and essentially two guys who are backup centers. I, If I'm the Magic, I stay as far away from Omar Ashik as I can. I would almost rather have Alexis Ajinsa. But I don't want Alexis Ajinsa either because he's, he's just not playing. So maybe you stretch him. I don't know. I don't see a lot on New Orleans roster that I want unless it's just expire, unless it's just a slew of expiring deals. And I don't see New Orleans wanting to get off those expiring deals because they'll need them to re-sign DeMarcus Cousins and perhaps make their roster better to keep DeMarcus Cousins and eventually Anthony Davis. I just don't see the Magic doing that deal. As, as much as New Orleans might be pushing to get some cover for, for DeMarcus Cousins, they're not doing it to take on another big salary at center. And that would be Omar Asik and and in some extent, Alexis Aginsa. I, I Ashik is just, he's just not good. Like, I, I'm not, you're not paying that much for it. Uh, so, if you if you get Jameer Nelson, that's probably a buyout candidate. Go let him play somewhere where the team where he can go find a winner. Um, you know, it, if you can get a top ten protected pick, that's not even that valuable. The Magic aren't looking for picks. They don't want more young guys. They've, they're plenty young. They're going to get plenty younger too. So, I, again, it sounds like I'm poo pooing it, but again, you you learn what the Magic are looking for. They're not looking to take on another big salary. They're not looking to take on uh, a draft pick, perhaps. They're not looking for veterans, you know, who are good buyout candidates. You know, maybe they're looking for some veterans that are good buyout candidates. Like that, that part I that part I believe. But I think they're really looking for younger guys. I think they're looking for um, players who can contribute and be part of this team's future. Asik is not part of this team's future. Jameer is not part of this team's future. Frank Jackson is he's nothing. Sorry. So I just, I just don't think that that's the direction the Magic want to go. Um, I, I, like, I've, like I've said when I've talked about the trade deadline, the Magic are looking for pieces that will fit their long-term vision, that will fit who they want to be in the future. That matters to them. But we'll again, we'll see. We'll see what direction they ultimately go. I want to thank everyone for watching today's Facebook Live. Sorry if I didn't get to your questions and comments throughout the show. It's been a busy show. I'm over my time already, obviously. So I want to get out of here. 
Um, let everyone have a great Sunday. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. You can follow the podcast and listen to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts. It's called Locked On Magic. This will be Monday's episode of Locked On Magic, so be sure to check it out. Uh, and be sure to check out Locked On Magic throughout the week. I will be doing episodes all day this week because I'm not sick anymore. You can see me smiling on the Facebook Live um, if you can't already. Um, you can, of course, follow follow the podcast on Twitter as well on Twitter at Locked On Magic. It has its own Facebook page at Locked On Magic as well, but I also post them here on the Facebook page at Orlando Magic Daily. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Follow us on Twitter at OmagicDaily. I'll be back again next week for another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. You can, of course, send me your fake trades. We'll make next week's episode all about fake trades as we get closer and closer to the NBA trade deadline. Until then, though, thanks everyone again for listening to for watching today's show, listening to today's show. I'll see you all again tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Magic. And if not, I'll see you all again next week for another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.